Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Hook'em Up with E and Rod B Playoff Recap Show on the Horn is presented by Hayes City Store and the Taste on Main. Wake them up, get them up, get them going. It is uh, disappointing Tuesday for the Texas Longhorn fans and uh, fans of uh, the Longhorns and uh, their team who lost last night to, in the national semifinal here in New Orleans where I am coming to you live from uh, the Sheraton Hotel on Canal Street, which is uh, media headquarters and the media center about uh, 20 blocks from the Superdome where it all went down last night. Mistakes, penalties, missed opportunities ultimately for the Longhorns. And their season ended 12 yards away from a potential game-winning score, 37-31. Washington advances to the college football national championship game. Texas left to wonder what could have been on a uh, exciting, thrilling, but disappointing night. And all in all for the Longhorns. And we'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian. We'll hear from some players as we move forward with five hours of morning conversation here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Patrick Davis producing the show this morning. He will be chiming in as well uh, as we get this thing cranked up on a instant reaction, Longhorns Season Ends edition of Hook'em Ups, Hook'em Up uh, to start the new year. And uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning back in Austin, Texas, coming to you live from a uh, an empty media center this morning, but ready to roll right here on Canal Street in downtown New Orleans, 37-31 final. Rod Babers, uh, your thoughts as we launch this uh, Tuesday morning conversation. Uh, mistakes, safe to say, penalties, missed opportunities for Texas, and um, you know, 12 yards away with three or four opportunities to maybe punch in a, a game-tying touchdown with a point after that would have won the football game. Uh, instead, the, uh, the season ends uh, with an incomplete pass to Adonai, Adonai Mitchell from uh, Quinn Ewers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's not that surprising. I originally said it's going to come down to a game-winning drive scenario, last possession. That's exactly what happened. I was hoping it would be Texas on the winning side of that last possession. That wasn't the case. Uh, but we thought this was a very evenly matched, uh, uh, you know, uh, evenly matched semifinal between Texas and between Washington, and not necessarily because they, you know, had uh, a lot of the sim- similar uh, strengths and weaknesses, but because the few advantages, and I, I do think Texas overall, they did have a better team, but the few advantages that Washington had in this matchup were directly targeted um, and uh, strategically targeted at Texas' weaknesses, which were their pass defense uh, and their inability uh, to cover uh, downfield, deep deep ball. Uh, we talked about this uh, them uh, this season. They've been okay defending the deep ball, but they haven't been great, and they haven't seen really good quarterback play either. It's the best quarterback they've played, and I don't think it's a coincidence the two best quarterbacks they've played are the two losses, the only two losses that Texas has on the resume. So it, it wasn't shocking 
liking the way the game played out. Texas stopped the run, made them one-dimensional, and that one dimension was the only dimension that Washington needed. They're the best passing offense in the country. Uh, and then we saw Michael Penix put on the show, uh, and Texas had no answer for it at all. And the most disappointing part, I think, of the game and the way it played out was I thought Texas offense would be able to keep up with Washington's offense and make it a shootout. That was not the case at all. Texas offense, I think, underwhelmed for most of the game, and I think that was uh, a multifactorial issue. I think Sark's a part of it. I think Quinn was a part of it. I think uh, the offensive line had some play in that as well. They just couldn't really get in a groove offensively, and um, I think that was probably the most disappointing and surprising thing for me in the matchup. Yeah, I mean, the third quarter and then early on to the fourth quarter, that 13 nothing split uh, where the Longhorns had it at 21-all at the half. Uh, it was 7-7 after one quarter. It was 14-14 in the second quarter, so 21-all at the intermission. Uh, Texas getting that uh, two-minute drive for a touchdown to, to equalize the game at the, at the halftime. And then third quarter, uh, two costly fumbles for the Longhorns, one by C.J. Baxter uh, when the Longhorns were trying to establish a running game to start the second half, one by uh, Jaden Blue after a long run, a catch and run, uh, both fumbles pop out and uh, right there is where Washington took that 21 point lead and, and went on a 13-0 spurt uh, to build the, the lead and um, you know the Longhorns could never recover from that. They nearly did Rod, it was nearly a thrilling unbelievable finish the way the game played out with uh, seemingly you needed to get an onside kick if you were Texas to have a chance instead the injury to the running back and we're hoping Dylan Johnson's okay moving forward but his injury and then a penalty on a punt uh, allowed the Longhorns to have more time on the clock than we thought they were going to have when we were doing the, the math drill. And they ended up with 50 seconds and, and no timeouts to try to move the ball down the field. Quinn Ewers did engineer what looked to be his second uh, two-minute drive of the game. He got the Longhorns down to the 12-yard line with you know, shots at the end zone and the play calling and the decision making right there uh, in that spot will be questioned moving forward for Texas. But uh, it seemed to me, Rod, from my eyes that, uh, you know, maybe a, a more of a bullet pass, more of a, of a sharp throw to, to Adonai Mitchell on that final attempt might have been there, kind of kind of sailed on because uh, pressure got to, I'll give Washington credit, they bought pressure on, on Quinn Ewers on those third and fourth down plays, two of those attempts, and uh, got to Quinn, and, and that's, that last play uh, looked like A.D. Mitchell had a chance to go up and, and high point a ball if, if give him it a little more juice. Instead, it kind of sailed on him and got knocked away by the defensive back. What did you make of that final scenario from the 12-yard lines for, for, for the Longhorns with uh, a little, little swing pass out to Jaden Blue, which I think well, Steve Sarkeesian said afterwards it was supposed to go to J.T. Sanders in a yeah. high ball situation, and he was doubled. So Quinn immediately took the uh, the check down and made sure Jaden Blue could get out of bounds to save time and then, you know, three shots at the end zone from there. What did you make of that play call and, and how the, 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 the end of game scenario played out? Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I mean, I, I thought, um, you know, Sark went with players over plays in that situation, right? He was thinking, I got to get the ball to A.D. Mitchell. He's my, you know, my best red zone weapon. Um, he's the guy that can win those 50-50 balls. So he was thinking that. And you're right, if Quinn and A.D. would have been on the same page, I don't think they really were. There was there was an opportunity for a back shoulder fade there. Yep. Uh, the way the Washington DBs were playing it, they were pretty much playing inside, off and inside leverage. Uh, so and they were they were sitting on routes, right? They were playing off inside leverage and sitting on routes. But if you could oppress those DBs and make them have to turn their hips and defend the fade, <clears throat> there was an opportunity for him to throw the back shoulder fade. You can't even go see my man C.J. Fogle 
has a great screenshot on Twitter of it, and you can go check out his uh, Twitter account at I think it's at C at CJ Vogel uh, underscore TFB. If I'm not mistaken, I could have messed that up, but if I did, just go look it up. He's great. Uh, but it's a screenshot of it, and it, it shows you how the DB is playing it and and where the ball is when. Uh, Quinn releases it. He releases it, obviously, to throw it to a deep over-the-shoulder fade uh, to the back corner. But the back shoulder fade was actually, it was open. It was there. And that's just experience and and chemistry with each other, too. Yeah, uh, and I do think some pressure got to Quinn where he had to kind of bail backwards a little bit and the, the ball sailed. I mean, he Quinn Ewers played a fine game. It really was those turnovers, in the, in, to me, in the third quarter and the second half that derailed the Longhorns from a chance to maybe you know get some rhythm offensively coming out of the half. And in the end, you mentioned Michael Penix. Um, I think we saw last night, he, he was my pick to win the Heisman rod. I felt like he was the best player in America last year or this season, and he played like it last night and really attacked that Texas defense. He made some really high-level throws um, you know, down the field, 430 yards passing on 29 of 38, had two touchdown passes. He also used his legs, I think, a little bit more than we expected with 31 yards on the ground, uh, showed his athleticism. It was just an all-around really, really – elite performance by you know the best quarterback the Longhorns have played all year, and I think he's the best quarterback in the country. What would you make of uh, your breakdown of Michael Penix's game last night? Uh, yeah, I mean, he kept them in control of the game the entire game, and you're right about they broke tendency. I think if that game was closer, um, and I don't mean close like it wasn't a competitive game, but, I mean, it, it seemed like Washington had control of the game most of the game. And then they got yeah. to the point where they had a double-digit lead, um, and I believe 13 points, right, was the – uh, was the biggest lead they had, and it, at times, you know, it, it just felt like Texas was always scrapping to get back into the game or stay in the game, and they were making really gritty plays to do it. The uh, the fumble recovery they got on the uh, the punt, the muff punt, you know, that was a really really big play. Uh, the defense came up and made some big plays. The fourth down stop, that was a big play. They were making plays to get themselves back in the game, um, but. I felt like Washington controlled the game, and that was because of Michael Penix and the way that he orchestrated the offense and over and over again kept them ahead of the chains, kept them on schedule, and then was able to avoid sacks. It is an elite ability, and I, I think I thought we did a great job of it, it trying to preview how good this guy was at avoiding sacks. And I still don't think we did him justice, guys, because in that game, there were multiple times where he, I mean, guys had a free shot on him. Guys like Byron Murphy, guys like Ethan Burke, free shots on him. And they, they whiffed, got nothing. And then he ended up completing a pass downfield. That will be on his draft highlight reel. Uh, and the deep ball, right, that's one of his elite uh, skills uh, within his elite traits within his skill set. And that was on full display. The deep ball, Texas could not defend it. And I was wrong. I, I miscalculated. I thought they would attack the safeties. They didn't need to attack the safeties. They went after the corners. And they just, they, they really, guys, I got to tell you, I, I didn't think that the Texas corners were that vulnerable. But they exploited them and they exposed them. Uh, they went after them. And I don't know if they really even made any big plays against the safeties. They were all against the corners. Ryan Watts, Terrence Brooks. Um, Malik Muhammad came as close as you can come to making a play on the football uh, on that touchdown where he forces the receiver to bobble it at least and pop it up in the air because he made a play on the ball. But that's about it. Everybody else, they went after him. Hell, they even went after Jaday Barron with the tight end. They, they, they wanted to show Texas none of your guys could cover us. And when I saw it, the corners couldn't cover them, well, I don't even know if there was a strategy, guys, that, that you could deploy that would have been effective. Your guys couldn't cover them downfield, period. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's a one heck of a uh, elite thrower of the football, and you're right, his ability to almost matrix-like stealthy is to avoid coverage or avoid avoid pass rushers and just kind of slide, but keep his eyes downfield uh, while still he doesn't he doesn't give up on the play to avoid the the, uh, uh, the pressure. He he just slides where you know kind of uh, Bobby Burton and I were talking about it last night, Rod, on the in-game watch, and Bobby made a great comparison, and it reminded you a little bit of Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow was at LSU, just the ability to avoid that initial con- pressure. Mm-hmm and push the ball down the field. This offense, you know, kind of is, when you look at the numbers, number one passing offense in the country, uh, kind of rivals those, those great, you know, that great LSU offense of 2019. Even Sark's offense at Alabama with Tua and the ability to uh, spread the ball around to different weapons and receivers and a quarterback that can really sling the rock. And Michael Penix uh, wins game MVP honors, rightfully so. To your point of controlling the game and moving Patrick Davis in as well with his initial thoughts on this game, it is our uh, after-the-fact postgame, uh, the reaction show brought to you by uh, Hayes City Store and Taste on Main and Beauty. We appreciate them for helping us get here and be here for this live coverage in New Orleans. Uh, Rod and Patrick back in the Horn headquarters there on West Austin. And Patrick, your thoughts. But let me mention, when you say they controlled the game, uh, only a six-point victory, but they did have a 13-point lead just in, early in the fourth quarter. And the time of possession, guys, 36 minutes for uh, the, the Washington Huskies to 23-and-a-half for Texas, so uh, pretty decisive. They both ran you know, similar amount of plays, 71 for Texas, uh, 70 for Washington. But you know, we know Texas had two you know, hurry-up two-minute drives at the end of each half, which they were trying to move to, to, to scrap and stay in. And I thought the Longhorns were gritty, Patrick, to be in the game and give themselves a chance. That's kind of been the calling card of this team but the clutch gene was uh, belonged to both teams and it was uh, Michael Penix in Washington that made more plays and won this football game last night your thoughts Patrick yeah I mean uh, first of all I'll say uh, the, the the offensive line for Washington was a real deal too that you know yeah. when you see those evaded sacks the the way they could move to Vondre and Byron Murphy to not allow them come straight up the middle and get them just to move them a little bit to that outside so Penix could always step up as opposed to having to necessarily get out of the pocket more than he had to and those helped him out a ton. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at the way uh, Penix played in that game and, you know, just as as close to a perfect game as you can have for a quarterback, and, you know, we, we said in the pregame show, you know, you needed Quinn Ewers to play close to perfect, and he just didn't. Uh, it had a rough start to get going, and it, you couldn't really get behind Washington because once they controlled the pace of the game and the momentum of the game, it did seem like they ever really wanted to give it up. They, of course, you know, you get to the fourth quarter and Texas, you got to give them credit. They fought and they, you know, they got a break at the end and were able to stay in the game. And, you know, that's something that this team probably didn't have for the last couple of years. And they, they did this year to be able to fight back into it. But at the end of the day, it was just Washington came into the game with the right game plan and Texas couldn't adjust quickly enough uh, to in the first half to start running the ball a bit more when Washington was allowing you to run the ball and stepping back in coverage and making it harder to throw the ball downfield and just run on them and just move the ball and don't give it back to them and go score points. It took him a little while to get in that, so he could never get the lead. And then on the flip side of it, you you let the third quarter, you just don't play well in the third quarter. And you put yourself in too big of a hole that it just you weren't able to come back out of. You had five yeah. plays in the third quarter. Yeah. Five plays offensively. Yeah. 
Yeah, the fumble fumbles were killer right there. Obviously, Texas was at, you know had it stalemated at 21 all at the half because of that big muff punt by Washington. Their one big mistake that they made uh, in the, until the final two minutes and the clock management for them at the end. But um, because it felt like they had a chance to to bleed that game out. But uh, you're right. The, the third quarter was the difference in the game for me. I mean, the, the mistakes all night, Rod and, and Patrick. I mean, the the penalties, uh, getting you ahead, you know, behind the chains and the third and longs that you talked about, Rod, a lot yesterday and all month long had to avoid the third and longs against that defense and they found themselves in third and longs and a lot of that was self-inflicted uh, with, mm-hmm. with um, you know, offsides penalties, holding penalties, those type of things in the first half and then the third quarter and into the second half it was the turnovers that didn't allow that offense to find rhythm. Uh, but as Patrick said, Rod, I mean, they still, you know, from 12 yards out, they had an opportunity to maybe win this football game. What a win it would have been. Uh, it fell up, fell short, and the Longhorns go 12-2 and two on the year. The two losses, obviously, the Oklahoma game ended uh, with, a, with a touchdown from Dylan Gabriel. The Longhorn season ended with an inability to score a touchdown from the red zone to maybe steal a win and uh, advance to the national championship game. But too many mistakes, uh, too many self-inflicted wounds, I felt like, and um, too much Michael Penix, really the stories of the game. Now, yeah, he was just too good. I mean, we can, yeah. also, we can also just admit he was too good. That mm-hmm. wide receiving core was just too good. I mean, he had, what, a 200-yard receivers out of that group. Um, yep. And he, at one point, I mean, he just seemed like uh, he couldn't miss. <laughs> uh, he was putting some – his ball placement and accuracy, guys, he was putting some stuff on film uh, that may be some of the best throws he's had all year. And I've watched a lot of film with Michael Penix. And uh, that was one of his best games of the season. Yeah. What more could you ask for for your best player? And this is the thing about it, guys. I we was, we was having this conversation uh, on the post game. If I asked you who the uh, you know who the best players were for Washington, man, it was it was easy. They all stood out, and they were all yeah. the first round prospects we're talking about: mm-hmm. Braylon Trice, Michael Penix, Romeo Dunze. They all stood out and played well. If I ask you who the best players were for Texas, it takes you a little while. Yeah. Yeah, who who played who played right. A level games? Who are the stand, yeah, who, who are the standout performers? Yeah, I mean that's you get down to. I mean, you could say C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue had good games, but they both had turnovers. <laughs> because I mean, they both played well in the moments they, they need to play well. But if you Agreed. take the turnovers in those, I mean, and then you know you have interesting parts in that too. That Xavier Worthy, you know, not only does he not get open enough, and is not you know, which not necessarily all his fault that the plays aren't going his way. But then doesn't get pulled in the, the special teams game either. I think he might have been hurt. And, and I think, yeah, I think you look at something in there where he's yeah. not getting separation. Yeah. You know, you're going to A.D. Mitchell at the end of the game instead of, instead of you know, Worthy. And then to have Whittington back there, and you're like, I get you have to have Whittington. Keelan Robinson had, you know, two, two kickoff returns, came back, and he just didn't seem like his head was in the game in the right place. But, you know, some of those guys you really thought in the special teams could get you an edge, and you lose that part of it too in the game. You you just don't have the guy that you can look at and go, well, 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 he he put his whole heart and soul in this game and he couldn't get through. You're right. It's it just kind of feels bad because Michael Penix Jr. We can say, man, wish they gave him the Heisman because he seemed like he wanted to earn it tonight. A lot of people said night. that. A lot of people said that after the game. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a strong performance from Washington, but in the end, the Longhorns still had a chance at the end, which is hard to believe. But uh, uh, you just said it, Rod and Patrick. I mean, the, you know, who played A level games for Texas? That was, you know, these are, you know, big players play huge in, in big games. And, and Washington had their best player, Michael Penix, play maybe his best game. I Pretty, pretty clear that his, you know, the month off and, and getting healthy helped Michael Penix to get his legs back under him and uh, uh, play with that accuracy. The two receivers were outstanding against Texas. And, yeah, I mean, I do think X 
Ex- uh, Xavier Worthy was still showing some of the residual, um, you know, injury, the ankle injury from from what we saw in the Big 12 title game. He was not 100%, was not as explosive, normal self. Uh, A.D. Mitchell really didn't get involved in the game until the second half. And you guys said it. I mean, the only three plays were, you know, only handful of plays run in the third quarter. Um, the penalties in the first half really stymied and stalled some drives. And uh, Michael Penix too good last night. I also thought, uh, Patrick, that the uh, the drive that started with uh, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter when it was a six-point game, it was 34-28. Texas had scored uh, to get it back to within six points, right? I mean, the uh, uh, the touchdown to, to A.D. Mitchell with the, the double clutch. It seemed like he went, he he jumped and then jumped again in the air to go up and get that ball yeah. and bring it down. Another touchdown in a, in, a, in a semifinal or playoff game for A.D. Mitchell, who did that regularly at Georgia for transferring into Austin. But he catches a touchdown. You get the extra point. You're within six. There's seven minutes to go. Uh, talking to folks who were at the game, the, the building was electric at that point. Texas fans outnumbered Washington fans probably – as we talked about, seven or eight to t- eight to one. I mean, it was uh, a lot of Texas fans, and they were in that game, kind of sensing that if they could get a stop, get the ball back, their quarterback was kind of getting rolling there. Uh, and that's where, to me, Michael Penix, you know, head and shoulders. He just coolly and calmly executed a drive, moved his team down the field. You knew any points there, even a field goal was going to make it a nine-point game. And uh, I thought that drive was really, really sharp uh, for Michael Penix. He was good all game, but in that moment, Rod, I think he was. Now that's that's the veteran. That's the senior. That's the guy. When you start putting together draft tape, that drive right there was really, really high level stuff. Just managing the clock, getting first downs, and then ending up with a with a short field goal to to go up nine points. Yeah, and that's why you know I I, I think at one point early in the game, um, you know Sark in the first half might have mismanaged things. He, I think his game plan was what I thought it it should have been was to pass to open up the run. And he was using the RPO game to do that. I believe he wanted to get Quinn in a groove. And I do think it was wise to to think about getting him in a rhythm early because if Quinn has a great game, the offense has a great game. If Quinn has a down game, offense has a down game. Quinn started out, you know, having a down game and the offense started out, right, inconsistent. So I I think his thought process was uh, exactly what I was thinking, and I agreed with it. But as a coach, you need to have a feel of the game. And when it was obvious after the first quarter – after that sample size of coach, that your passing offense is not really it, – it's not clicking, don't have a rhythm to it, right? It's just, but your running game has been stellar. You're averaging more yards per rush than yards per passing attempt, mm. <laughs> right? When that becomes obvious and also obvious, not going to pat myself on the back, but that you start running the two tailback set, and it was your first – it was in your script – and your first touchdown drive, I'll get to that, and kind of uh, behind the burn on the and Raj ran, was the two tailbacks set in a pony package. And you ran it right down their throat. You went right down the field and scored a touchdown, running nothing but two tailback sets. And you only came back to it, I think, twice the rest of the game. Like you didn't, why didn't you play the hits? Why didn't you do I don't. I, I don't understand what happened there. And I don't understand about the how the, the running game, you could average over six yards per rush. I think the running backs – uh, between Jaden Blue and between CJ Bex, I want to say they averaged over six point over six point eight yards per rush uh, combined. Now I know they had the fumbles, but I do that was in the second half. I do think early. I'm talking about the first half. I think you had a chance to play some keep away, complimentary yeah. football, as Sark likes to say. And I don't think you did that enough. I think there was chances to limit their possessions, limit their their their, uh, their plays, and you know play some get some time of possession on your own. Usually, that's not a value stat in the analytical era. In this game, it was because you just wanted to limit the exposure of your defense, but also be able to control the game yourself. 
and get back some of the momentum. I don't think Texas did that, and I think that was an opportunity missed for Sark. I think you could have forced Penix and that that stellar, prolific offense to watch from the bench for a little while and watch your run game do some work, and I don't think Texas did that. Yeah, I think by the numbers with uh, A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, obviously the game plan on Patrick was almost to give Texas to run. I mean, just not get beat with the, the passing game and let the run game be there and see if Sark would stick with it and if Texas would be – know clean enough disciplined enough to stay ahead of the chains and be able to control the clock I think Rod's right I mean uh, the, the run game was there uh, but then the fumbles in the third quarter the penalties I felt like in the first quarter and first and first half that got Texas behind the chains and forced them to kind of abandon that run game a little bit but uh, maybe should have been more stubborn with it especially as hot as Michael Penix was uh, opportunity missed right there I think for the Longhorns uh, to to control the game but uh, it, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't a clean game for Texas we talked about that a lot in pregame yesterday you've got you got to avoid the penalties, the self-inflicted wounds. The Longhorns did not do that. They had double-digit penalties in this game last night, and um, the mistakes just mounted and uh, allowed Washington, you know, all the all the leash they needed to take control of the game. Yeah, and I mean, if we look at Sark, I think that we talked all in the pregame about that this was a game where you you need to throw the ball on on Washington. They had a weak secondary, and you throw the ball, and we you know you don't necessarily set up the run. You got to set up the pass early. And Kalen DeBoer and this Washington team were set up for it. They said every, we're pushing everything back. We are playing. We're going to rush the quarterback, and we are going to put people back. But we're not really going to play run coverage. We're going to if they want to run the ball, then we'll we'll adjust to it. And Texas never really made them fully adjust to it to then give Quinn a little bit more opportunities downfield and and, and make them have to put people in, and put extra personnel up into the box to stop the run. He just he was never consistent enough running. And I think, you know, if you do have a Jonathan Brooks, then maybe you have enough guys. It seemed like, you know, he really – he favored Jaden Blue a lot in that game more than I thought he would. Uh, so I don't know if C.J. Baxter had anything going on either where they were worried. We know that he, there was a couple times he got shooken up in the game. Uh, but it, it seemed that he just did not want to have 35, 40 carries in this game and make it a slow-down run game and make Washington make the adjustment. And they were still able to stay in the game without it. But you kind of think, you know, they, they, the screen game we talked about, that they were in the screening and they, they would get out on the outside and they'd put guys on the outside and they just said, we're not going to stick guys in the box. We're not going to overcommit to the run until you stick it down our throats. And they didn't. Yeah, no, only, not, only, only 18 carries, uh, true carries for our running backs in the game last night for Texas. C.J. Baxter had nine and he was at seven yards a carry. Jaden Blue had nine. He was at 6.6 yards per carry. Quinn Ewers had eight carries. I thought he was uh, pretty sharp with his legs as well. But they were all uh, scrambles, looking, right? Were they yeah, any design they were, runs? Yeah. They were all scrambles, no. right? So Yeah, they, they were all yeah. you know coverage coverage plays. So, where those were pa- and ran. so those were pass attempts to Patrick's point. Yeah. That's right. No, that's 100%. That's why I yeah. said they only had, 19, they only had 18 yeah, you're right. true handoffs to running backs in the game last night. I, I, I will and, say congratulations to Ewers to learn how to slide, though. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. Good point. He, he didn't he try to did, take on any linebackers. He did learn how to slide in that That's game. It. So the month off, that was one thing we can say. Yeah. Sure. All right, we will come back. We will hit uh, behind the burn orange curtain with Rod. We'll get uh, your thoughts on this game. The text line's already lit up early this morning to start the new year with a loss for the Longhorns, 12-2. and two. We thought that the college football playoff semifinals were the, the best matchups we've had in a decade of the CFP. Uh, both plays, or both games went to the final play and were, you know, However, the last play happened was going to decide the game. Uh, we saw Michigan beat Alabama in overtime. A game came down to a final play where Alabama could not punch it in from 
the two-yard line or three-yard line. Texas had a chance with uh, several shots to the end zone, uh, and Washington's defense made the stop. But, man, a couple of great finishes, uh, white-knuckle games in both, and Washington will play Michigan for the national championship next Monday in Houston. We'll take your thoughts on it. Text line is open, 512-447-3776. We're live in New Orleans. We're live in Austin, and we're talking Texas and Washington with you all morning long here on Hook 'Em Up with Ian Rod B. Patrick Davis joining us this morning for some special coverage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hook em Up with E and Rod P Playoff Recap Show on the Horn is presented by Hayes City Store and the Taste on Main. Yeah, kind of a blue Tuesday for Longhorn fans. Season ends 37-31. Washington is advancing to the college football national championship game. Texas season ends. Uh, heartbreaking loss for the Horns. Just too many mistakes last night uh, in this game. Number two against number three in the country. Kind of felt like it was going to come down to who could play a cleaner game and who could play, you know, whose who's best players would step up and play great games in big spots. I think both uh, checked the boxes of the Huskies last night uh, with Michael Penix, 430 yards, and a near flawless performance in that game. Meanwhile, Texas... Um, mistakes and penalties, double digits in the penalty category, and then two critical second-half turnovers, fumbles by their running backs, C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue. That led to the Huskies to uh, run 22 plays to just five for Texas in the third quarter. A 21-all game became a 34-21 Washington lead, and the Longhorns couldn't get all the way back. Uh, as a matter of fact, Rod, the, uh, the Huskies – Racked up 157 yards to 34 uh, to Texas in that third quarter. Turned that 21-all game into a 34-21 lead that they never gave up. And Longhorns, as a matter of fact, never led in the game. Uh, they tied the game at 7. They tied it at 14. They tied it at 21. But they could never play with the lead in this game. And had they been able to score a touchdown from the 12-yard line there late in the game, they, an extra point from Burt Auburn would have put them in front for the first time maybe won this game. But we know how it ended with the incomplete passes to A.D. Mitchell. And the Longhorn season comes to an end. And, uh, you know, disappointing, but still a great season for the Horns. A step forward for the program. But it felt like that game was there for you had you played a better game. Uh, yeah, no, it, did. it felt like that, right? It felt like – they were in control of the game and that Texas was scrapping and fighting and making mm-hmm. gritty plays just to stay in it. And honestly, on my rewatch, I was shocked that the Texas was in it at the end. Once again, I was still on the rewatch, still like, how the hell did yeah. Texas end up back in the chest to win this game late? Washington really, they really mismanaged that game late. I was surprised. This is as you know that no coach is perfect. I think Kevin DeBoer is a hell of a coach. He wasn't coach of the year. Kevin DeBoer. So it was. He horribly mismanaged his game at the end of it. At one point, they have. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, so they have a thir- thirteen point lead, I believe it is at this point. Yes. Okay, That's so right. yeah. So if you go look at it, uh, right after the, the 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 fumble, the second fumble for Texas, and they're up thirty four to twenty one. So they got thirteen point lead at that point. They go on this drive. It's 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I think yeah. all Longhorn fans are thinking, man, this thing is over. Yep. All right. They're about to milk seven, eight minutes off of mm-hmm. it. Texas ain't going to be able to get it back with enough time to score. 
you know, multiple touchdowns, three scores. They go pass, they go incomplete pass on first down. They go uh, they throw it deep on second down. They got the pass interference <clears throat> on Terrence Brooks. They throw it deep again on first down after getting the pass interference. Uh, they throw it on second down. They throw it on uh, third down and get zero yards and a catch by Dylan Johnson, and then they have to punt it. Yeah. They took less than right total. They took less than a minute off the clock, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. That, that. And then after that, Texas scores a touchdown on a ten play, four almost four minute drive, and then it's thirty four twenty eight. And you're thinking, whoa, actually, Texas may get a shot. They can get a defensive stop here or there. Uh, they don't. Uh, what uh, the field? Uh, I think Washington gets a field goal there. Yeah, make it thirty seven twenty eight. But then Texas comes back, gets a field goal, and then it becomes way too close, I think, for comfort uh, after the uh, the kick-catch interference call, and then they give up the – that Jordan Whittington play was huge. Yeah. That was a hell of a play because they weren't getting in – they weren't moving the ball at all on, on that yeah. last drive, and Jay Witt gets that big play, and that's life. You get yeah. hope. Yeah, that and then the Jaden Blue catch down the sideline. Jaden Blue catch was big too. Th- those both those yeah. plays to let you get down into the into the red zone and get you a shot where you have actual shots at the end zone that are reasonable and it's not you know we're not talking about a hail mary where yeah, no. technically they had a shot you yeah. you had multiple shots at the end zone. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you're at the 11-yard line. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and to, to the point of mismanagement, you're right, Rod, and that's why I mentioned that 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 Phoenix drive or Penix drive with seven minutes to go in the quarter when the Longhorns had made it a six-point game was really high level. I mean, he was yep. good all night, but that's the crowd was so into that game right then. The buzz from the from the Longhorn fans, they felt like they had a chance here if they could get a stop. And to, to take it from you know six back to nine was big. And the mismanagement for me guys with Kalen DeBoer was, was after the onside kick, and all they have to do is take a knee, and Texas has two timeouts, so they can stop the clock twice. But they should have been able to bleed that clock all the way down to about 15 seconds and punt the mm-hmm. ball. Uh, and the Longhorns would have had the ball back deep in, in their own territory with, with no timeouts and under 20 seconds to go. Instead, he was running plays and, you know, risking maybe getting the ball stripped out. Uh, you can see Sark on the sidelines talking about strip it, strip it, you know, try to reach for the ball. Yep. All he had to do was take knees, and instead his, his running back gets hurt, uh, Dylan Johnson, which stopped the clock, and then there was, a, you know, an offensive injury so they couldn't run clock there. Longhorns ended up getting the ball back with 50 seconds to go, and that was, you know, when they hit the, uh, the Jay Witt play and they were able to move the ball down the field to the 11-yard line. That never should have happened. I mean, Kalen DeBoer almost, you know, that would have been an all-time mm-hmm. – yeah. Uh, screw up by the coach there, not managing that final minute of the game, uh, and the Longhorns almost made him pay. But obviously, as we've talked about Rod and Patrick all, all month, I mean, both of these teams have the clutch gene. Both of these teams have found ways to win tough games. And in the end, despite as ugly as it was there at the end for the Huskies, they, they get four stops and were able to keep Texas out of the end zone um, and, and from, from stealing a game from them. Uh, but that, that's, that's what both of these teams do. they found ways to win games all year long. Yeah, and I mean, and, and I'll, I'll give credit to the defense too that there was a point that the fourth quarter, the fourth down stop you got earlier in that game lets you stay in the game. Mm-hmm, sure. There was there was a couple times in there where they did make the plays they had to to give you you know to give Texas a shot to get back in the game, but it was it, it did seem like it was always just Texas making that kind of huge play out of nowhere to to stay in the game, and Washington was consistently doing what they needed to do. And it just stacked up the backwards way where you want, you don't want to be the one that needs the big break to keep getting through. And, you know, they got two of them in a row at the end to give you the ball at the 30-yard line. But it just, you know, we can look at it and we can look at the penalties. 
that Texas just was undisciplined getting into the game, and and Washington was extremely disciplined, and and that was a thing where if you took it three stars versus five stars, and what Kalen DeBoer has built at Washington, if you're a three star player and you don't, you're not disciplined, you don't play, you get you get benched, and I think we saw that with that Washington team that they were able to, you know, not get called for holds, not have false starts, not go off sides, just all those things that can pile up for you for Texas. That you know, Washington didn't have to overcome. Texas did. No question about that. Uh, the penalties were you know, double digits for Texas, and uh, just a handful for Washington. Their best players made big plays and big moments. The Longhorns didn't get A-level performances from uh, from their best players for for a majority of the night. All right, let's go behind the burn orange curtain for the first time this morning here on Hook 'Em Up. It's a special edition. I'm live in New Orleans. Rod and Patrick back in the Horn headquarters. Let's go behind the BOC for the first time this morning. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? You could almost say that the entire show is uh, behind the burn orange curtain sure. today, considering uh, obviously the top, big topic of conversations, the Longhorns uh, lost to Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Um, let's go to the defense. I think that's for Longhorn fans. Uh, the past defense was probably uh, most troubling, and the offense was probably, and their performance, our underwhelming performance, was probably the second most troubling thing about the matchup. Uh, but the deep ball, Texas did not farewell defending the deep ball at all um I, I got them at four of seven on deep shots downfield that does that did include a what i thought was just kind of a throwaway but i still counted uh that did not include the pi there was a pi on terrence brooks in that game on the deep ball um so hell if you count that then basically that's Five of eight. Uh, this is a team that came in completing 44% of their deep balls uh, and against Texas uh, that, that rang true and materialized and that really set up everything for, for uh, really for Washington and the offense and if you look at what PK tried to do and I just went and charted some of the notes on different concepts they threw out there I saw the corners playing bump and run I saw them playing uh, what I call snug which is you know close to the the receivers but not necessarily playing bump and run not press uh, coverage uh, they played bail coverage which we saw them get beat on bail coverage uh, because uh, Ryan Watts got beat over the top even though uh, he was bailing out that's what it means bail coverage so you do have a running start to defend the vertical route so you should stay on the upfield shoulder uh, Texas was a- unable to do that. Uh, they they played uh, too high. They played single high. They played zone. They played man. <laughs> um, they blitzed. You know, even on that seventy-seven yard play, they blitzed on that play. Um, they they ended up with a great call to have match protection. So they had uh, six in to block the six that you sent. And football simple math. They gave Penix plenty of time to hit the deep post corner downfield. Um, if you go look at the um, the, uh, the there are other times that they blitzed. That was a second ten they blitzed. Uh, they blitzed five, um, and once again you saw Washington keep in enough guys to block the the five guys they sent, um, and then they were able to get another deep ball. Another tw- that twenty one that twenty nine yard deep ball uh, that was also when Texas blitzed. So Texas blitzed. Um, still didn't work. They had uh, there were times where they sent pressure from the edge. They brought pressure from the second and third level. I saw safety blitzes. <laughs> Jaron Thompson and Michael Tav came on blitzes. They, I mean, like I said, they tried. There were pre-snap motions and movement and on the defensive side trying to confuse Michael Penix, uh, but it mostly just led to Texas uh, being a little bit out of uh, position. 
Um, and leverage-wise, I thought Texas played with poor leverage in that game. A lot of times we'll get to some of the inside breaking routes. So I do think on just watching on film that PK pretty much tried everything and nothing worked for him. Uh, nothing that he tried in, in a combination of concepts was able to work for him. Uh, and that's on, that's on him. Coaches are problem solvers. You got to, pro, you got to solve the problem and figure it out. Uh, but against Michael Penix, when he's that hot and against an elite quarterback, and I kept saying this going into the matchup, because I said, listen, when you got the, you got, when you have the advantage at quarterback and head coach, which Washington has that advantage arguably in every game they play, it's, Made that right there are the two biggest advantages that you need in football. Everything else can can really kind of fall into place and the, be strategically uh, used and strategically deployed, weaponized, if you got the right head coach and you got the quarterback that can inspire the, walk, the locker room, inspire the masses. That's what he does. doesn't hurt that he's got three first-round wide receivers. And so we, what we found out in this game is the reality of not only is Texas – you know, safeties are a liability in coverage, but the corners are as well, um, yeah. especially against this group. I mean, and so in the Big 12, Texas corners can, you know, they're okay, but they don't. They never faced a wide receiving group this good in the Big 12. They didn't face a quarterback this good. They didn't face a passing game this sophisticated in the Big 12. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the two best quarterbacks you played, the two most sophisticated passing games you played, uh, arguably the two best wide receiving cores you played, uh, and that's those are the two losses on the season. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. No, no. I mean again, that's that's. Uh, Michael Penix said, uh, "I I would have voted. I did vote. If I had a vote, I was voting for him for Heisman Trophy. But in the end, uh, the the fact that that team's won 21 straight games and uh, thir- 14 in a row this year, a lot of that rides on his left arm and his ability to to be p- cool in the pocket, avoid um, you know negative plays, and um, make elite throws, which he did last night against uh, Texas coverage. That has been the weakness for Texas all year long uh, in that spot. And it's something you've talked about, Rod, a lot. Uh, you know, moving forward, right? I mean, now you start looking to." To the, to the future for Texas with the season ending, they are trying to recruit coverage in the secondary, right? They're trying to recruit coverage safeties, coverage, you know, corners, mm-hmm. um, you know, the high-level players in that back end, and bring pass rush, right? Better, yep. uh, you know, edge players and Havoc players. And, you know, that's, that's the goal. They've got to get, uh, get, get, get caught up. But for, for last night, they just didn't have the pieces to, to execute. And, uh, you know, the better player was Michael Penix and his receivers. All of those guys are going to be playing on the National Football League moving forward, I think it's fair to say. So uh, good stuff right there. Longhorns fall 37-31, and as we say, it's a heartbreaking loss where it felt like Washington was in control of this game, but Texas does scrap. They do fight. They did find a way to make it a last play of the game situation, and the Longhorns could not execute. Coming up in our next hour as we roll forward this morning, uh, we'll hear from Jordan Whittington and uh, and A.D. Mitchell on what went wrong on that final play in that final series. Also, we'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian. We'll hear from Quinn Ewers as we do the recap. We uh, talk about a Texas loss, unfortunately, the first since October when they lost in heartbreaking fashion to Oklahoma. This one equally a heartbreaking loss for Texas and the season comes to an end. Washington will advance to play the Michigan Wolverines for the national championship. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get some what the facts on the game last night. Uh, we'll also take your thoughts on the text line, 512-447-3776. Special coverage this morning live from New Orleans. Uh, Patrick is in studio the producing this morning along with Rod. We'll have full coverage all morning long. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. The Hook'em Up with E and Rod B Playoff Recap Show on the Horn is presented by Hayes City Store and the Taste on Main. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope you're uh, off to a good start in 2024. Longhorn fans bumming this morning, but... uh, 
Uh, good season, a lot to to enjoy from 20 and 23 into 2024. But obviously, disappointing outcome last night for the Longhorns, and uh, the bad taste in the mouth here on a on a Tuesday morning is the the mistakes that were made. And I have to give Washington a lot of credit sometimes, and I think all the time in sports, you're gonna have a winner and a loser. That's the thrill of victories. That's the uh, the agony of defeat. They say, and that's how the uh, the, the, the games go. Someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. But what you hate, guys, is uh, when you don't you know, put forth maybe your best effort. The Longhorns fought. They were gritty. They were tough. But we're playing uphill all night, uh, chasing Washington, trying to catch up, it felt like. And in the end, their own mistakes. They had ten penalties to five. Uh, they had the two big turnovers. And I felt like when we were talking about guys about not getting in rhythm offensively, give credit to Washington. If you go back and uh, rewatch the game, Early in the game when Texas was trying to get Quinn Ewers into a, a passing rhythm, I give Washington a lot of credit, Rod, for getting their hands up and knocking balls down. I mean, how many early passes? I think I, caught, called, you know, I counted four early in the game where the, they didn't get pass rush on Quinn Ewers, but they got their hands up and they knocked the ball down uh, and forced incompletions. A couple of those looked like they were going to be completed passes for Quinn. So first, early on, it was knocked down balls. Texas adjusted that. Then it's penalties that the Longhorns can't get out of their own way. And then in the third quarter, it's the two fumbles uh, that, that gave the ball and, and allowed Washington to dominate the third quarter and build a 13-point lead. Those are just, you know, give, give credit to your opponent, but at the same time, mistakes made by Texas uh, mounted and the Longhorns had to play from behind the whole game. That's a great point about the pass deflections. I believe overall uh, from defensive front guys, I think there were five pass, de- pass deflections from the front seven. Um, overall yeah. throughout the game, which, which is a lot. And you're right, a lot of those happened in the first half because we were doing the in-game live watch uh, on the On Texas Football uh, YouTube channel, and you remarked about it. And I think it was a it was their way of defending a lot of the RPO stuff. They, they did a great job of self-scouting, and they did a great job of – and I always talk about how you have to – anticipate the uh the game plans and the adjustments of your opponents you have to anticipate how they're going to attack you you should know yourself well enough to go well if i'm playing me i i would do this <laughs> this is i know how i know what i'm good at and what i'm bad at if i was playing myself this is what i would do that as a coach you have to have that kind of man in the mirror evaluation and ability to self-scout and i think they did that and and they they knew that and Patrick mentioned it. They knew Texas was going to try to uh, throw the ball on early downs, right? Uh, they kind of recognized that, so they they aired on uh, the side of coverage on early downs. Gave Texas the run uh, with the uh, I think the knowledge of knowing your opponent. We talk about you know sometimes you don't play the hand, you play the man in poker. It happens in football too. And yep. the, the defensive coordinator, even last year when they played Texan Alamo Bowl, he remarked that he did not believe Steve Sarkeesian had the patience as a play caller to march down the field with the short underneath passing game, that he was going to take his shots. And when he take his shots, if you defend it really well, it'll put Texas behind the chains. And he was, he was somewhat right about that old Sark. Um, this time, I think he's tested Sark's patience in a different way, getting back to what Patrick brought up. Hey, I'm going to give you the run. I don't think you're going to take it, though. I'll give it yeah. to you. I don't think you're going to take it. Not the whole game. Not you. Not the guy who likes the spectacular, beautiful, um, you know, the, uh, uh, my, you know, mind-blowing, eye-popping plays uh, that make SportsCenter and all the great highlights of all these, this misdirection and pre-step moving you put together and all these great weapons. There's no way you're just going to hand off the football and play old-school Michigan Big Ten football. That ain't in Sark's personality. Sometimes you play the man and not the hand. 
because Texas got a better hand than Washington. They just have to play the man, and I think it was a wise decision. I thought Sark would just run the football early on when they when you were averaging over six yards per rush after the first but two, three drives offensively and averaging less yards per attempt than you were per rush. I thought, all right, Sark's definitely going to adjust. He didn't. No, and, and I mean, especially throwing the fact of, you know, being down and, and constantly chasing Washington throughout the game. You, you ate, you know, Kalen DeBoer knows he's because he's not going to – He's going to chase us with running. Mm-hmm. If he's up, he'll run the ball. So I think if, if Texas ever, you know, got that seven-point lead or got a ten-point lead in that game, then, you know, Kalen DeBoer is going to have to change that defense. But in the fact that he's ahead, he, go, he goes, I know what Sark's going to do. He's going to throw the football on us because he's going to want to come back and get back in this game quickly mm-hmm. and make a big impact play. And they just were able to, to play the hand. And, and, you know, we could say over and over again, you know, you have to take what they give you. And they did enough of that in the air throughout the game. But, you know, if you're averaging that, they, the, the average of runs, it, it felt like, I don't know if Sark just didn't believe that any of those guys could carry the ball 20 times, if he didn't believe that Blue and, and Baxter could get 20 carries in the game each. Maybe not. But that, other than that, I don't really know why you completely shy away from it points and, you know, continue to put yourself in longer positions where then you had to throw the ball and now you're completely behind the chains. Yeah, that's another thing too. The third and longs guys, they were just I I, I swear I was a broken record on on purpose uh, the the month leading up to this game because watching watching Washington film the one thing that stood out was how good they were on third and long and I swear I said it to everybody who would listen to me speak. Stay out of third and longs. This defense is yeah. really good on third and longs. That's where they shine. That's where they show exotic looks, simulated pressures, amoeba fronts. And what did they do? Got Texas in third and long, simulated pressures, exotic looks, amoeba fronts, ghost fronts. They threw it all at Texas over and over again, and Texas couldn't solve it. I believe Texas had 11 third downs, and they threw in that fourth down they went for it too. So you're talking about 12 money downs. Guys, over half of those were third or fourth and longs. Yeah. Seven plus yards to go. Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, penalties a lot of times on Texas. They were creating those third and longs. Uh, there were some negative plays in there that uh, for the Washington force. that the, you Because know, Washington checked those boxes. You know, this is our what the facts segment typically on a normal hook em up. And uh, the facts are Washington checked the boxes. You mentioned it, Rod, in behind the burn orange curtain. They hit four of their seven deep balls. Also got a pass interference call on there. So, for me, that's five. They, they were going to test you with the vertical plays. They won that box. They had the fewer penalties. Uh, they mm-hmm. had more negative plays forced. Braylon Trice played a heck of a game. Yeah. Uh, and forced the Longhorns and, and played in the backfield of Texas, which Texas was not able to do to Washington. And then, yes, I mean, the third downs, the you know, Longhorns were 4 for 11 on third down. Washington was only 3 for 11, but they hit so many big plays. Uh, they hit so many explosive mm-hmm. plays down the field with Michael Penix that it kind of made up for uh, not being great on third down. Uh, all those went in the advantage of Washington in this game. And you add all those up again, it's a, as we've said, it's a, it was amazing that the Longhorns had a chance uh, with three downs from the 11-yard line to win this football game. True. Um, I mean, they, they really um, you know, scrapped and clawed and fought their way to be there. They were kind of their own worst enemy. I'll also say this. I know there'll be a lot of folks, and you guys are already talking about the lack of running game. I, I can't – the penalties in the first half were killer, and I felt like the, the two turnovers – and this is maybe the first time, guys, we've – since he was hurt in the uh, TCU game that you, you felt the loss of Jonathan Brooks where you didn't yeah. have mm-hmm. that lead running back. And, mm-hmm. and these are young backs, and, and the two fumbles, they didn't even come on, on real hard contact. You know, those are fumbles of just ball security, basic ba- you know, running back ball security, uh, where, you know, C.J. Baxter – 
is breaking free, and he gets hit from behind. Ball comes out. Jaden Blue's fumble actually came. He hit Gunner Helm, hit his tight end. Kind of a butt fumble situation where <laughs> running into his own blocker led to the ball being dislodged. Those were critical, and as we said, it allowed Washington to control the third quarter, uh, 22 plays to five, take a 21-point game and make it a – a 13-point deficit for Texas, and I do feel like, uh, you know, Patrick, that was to the point of the adjustment. Okay, we can run the ball. They're going to give us the run. I felt like Texas wanted to establish the running game in the second half. Next thing you know, there's two fumbles on the ground, and you're down 13, and you, you kind of have to abandon the run to maybe get back in the football game. Yeah, and, you know, you you got to play what, you, what they gave you. And yet the, the, the fumbles, because you did try and run it, and Washington came out and had the right plays and, and was able to get through and, you know – you do want to have, you know, that's something you have to teach with your guys. And we saw short choice on the sideline with Jaden Blue talking to him and just trying to get him. And I think Jaden Blue had a really good game. Uh, I mean, other than that fumble, he had a really good game. He had, you know, he had that one big drop and then a huge catch at the end of the game. Uh, but it was. It was just not being able to put them all together in the in the row you need to put them together uh, consistently. But, but you know, you can't, you can't come over it if you're not going to run the ball on first down when – Hey man, let's get us. Let's get. In, they're giving us six yards to carry. Let's get into second and short, and then we have passing downs. We then we can throw it twice. If we need to, but you know, once we found out that Quinn was not hitting those passes the way he needed to early in that game, you need to adjust quickly and and let Quinn be who he's been this season, which is someone who can bounce back. But don't but don't try and sugarcoat it for him and go. No, we're going to keep putting you out there. You're you're throwing the ball too low. You're getting everything tipped at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, so that's some credit to the defensive line for sure. But I think it's also, if you're Quinn, you have to know, okay, they're jumping on everything. Really make sure, get out of the pocket sometimes, go find what we need to do, but don't allow to just get in those third and longs. Those third and long and fourth and longs, that's what you can't allow that to happen. when you're, And you can't allow that to happen when you're averaging six yards of carry. That's what's crazy is averaging yeah. six yards a carry and continually being third long. That's those two yeah, things. Don't go it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, all the frustration you know, where you're kind of playing uphill and swimming upstream the whole yeah. game, and uh, it came down to the last play of the game. So uh, that's that tenacity. That's that grit. That's that uh, fight the Longhorns have, and that was mm-hmm. you know part of the character of this football team. But in the end, too many mistakes and too much Michael Penix leads to the second loss of the year and the end of the season. Sun coming up here in New Orleans. I'm overlooking Canal Street here, guys, from the uh, media headquarters here on on Canal at the Sheraton Hotel. You guys are back in the Horn headquarters. I want to thank our, our presenting sponsors and travel partners at Hayes City Store and Taste on Main, uh, two, both restaurants there in south south of town owned by the Tyndalls, Travis and Tamara Tyndall. Great spots both. They're very different. One is uh, the outdoor seating and the uh, under the canopy of oak trees out in the hill country. Beautiful spot uh, for, for big occasions and a lot of fun. That Scratch Texas Comfort Food, Taste on Main, is a different concept for them. It's in downtown Buda on Main Street, 100-year-old historic building, steak, seafood, the raw bar, but in a casual atmosphere. You're going to love both. I promise you appreciate them. Hayes City Store and Taste on Main bringing you to New Orleans for all the coverage. We'll talk more about it as we move forward. It's a special edition of Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. Patrick Davis joining us as well. As we talk all things Texas, season comes to an end. Unfortunately, too many mistakes, and as we said, too much Michael Penix. The pregame and uh, excuse me, postgame recap continues on 1019 on AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and always at hornfm.com.